Today is March 25th, 2021, and our first story. President Joe Biden has finally given a press conference after waiting a very long time. Some reports say he waited longer than anyone in 100 years to address the nation after getting elected president. In his press conference, Joe Biden had many gaffes and claimed that the border crisis was not his fault because nothing has changed. Well, data says otherwise, and many outlets have already published articles saying it is because of Joe Biden's policies that we are seeing this migrant crisis. In our next story, U.S. naval destroyers were swarmed by some kind of UFO, leaving many politicians rattled. Senator Marco Rubio says that in these reports about UFOs, we learn that there are vehicles hovering over national security installations. Our security has been breached. But what is this? Who is this? I certainly don't think it's aliens, but it could mean that an adversary has advanced technology, leaving us in a threatened position. In our last story, a new scandal. Andrew Cuomo was giving preferential access to his family and to his brother, Chris Cuomo, over at CNN. CNN unsurprisingly defends the corruption that at a time when most people were desperate for treatment, the Cuomos used their access to benefit themselves. Before we get started, leave us a good review if you really like the podcast. Five stars, a good comment if you think we deserve it, because it really does help the show. And share the podcast with your friends if you think we do a good job reporting on the news and you like our take on things. Now, let's get into that first story. President Joe Biden has still not delivered an address to a joint session of Congress. You'd have to go back to 1977 to see another president who waited this long to do so. So we will see if he actually has a State of the Union address or an address to this nation. But he did just give his first press conference. Some reports say this means he's the first president in 100 years to wait this long to give a press conference. And in it, well, we got exactly what we expected. While many of the state media class, these Democrat establishment media types said Joe Budden's performing beautifully, as well as my own sarcastic tweets, we actually saw a president who lied about the border crisis and gave us, as predicted, numerous gaffes. Many conservatives jumped on this saying, see, this is what we knew was going to happen. In one at one point in this press conference, Joe Budden's answering question and then just dead stops and says, uh, whatever. Like, did you forget what you were doing, sir? Seriously, many people are pointing out that he does not seem up to this job, though I will point out for the most part, it was a boring, dry press conference where Joe Biden had pre-written answers and called upon pre-selected journalists and not a single question went to any right wing media outlet or conservative reporter. So there you go. The big story, however, is that uh, Joe Biden well, he's lying about what's going on in the border with the border crisis. Now, typically, when it comes to the president, I try to refrain from saying outright lie because you have to be a mind reader or prove intent. So when it came to Trump, while I did say fairly often Trump lied quite a bit, the media accused him of literally always lying. Well, the president can be wrong sometimes. But in this instance, I think we do have an outright lie because Joe Biden is getting flack from the left and the right due to his handling on the border crisis. He said nothing has changed. Truth is, nothing has changed. Biden denies rise in migrants is because of him. But he he goes on to say, well, I'd like to think that so many people are coming because I'm a nice guy. We know a lot has changed. Voice of America reported, as many other outlets did, 
that Joe Biden rescinded Trump's executive order on immigration policies remain in Mexico, for instance. And we know from an from an op ed in NBC, NBC News of all outlets saying we knew what Biden was doing was going to exacerbate and create the migrant, the border crisis and create a massive border crisis. Yet he did it anyway and did not prepare for it. We also know that much has changed. Donald Trump shut down some of these child migrant facilities. Joe Biden reopened them. So drop the act, dude. We know you're lying when you say nothing has changed. You reopened these facilities. You are putting Kamala Harris in charge. Well, let me show you exactly what he said and what's happening, because I want to talk to you about the border crisis. And yes, I'm going to show you some of the most outrageous gaffes that we've seen from this press conference because it was entirely predictable. At one point, Joe Biden said that he has been in the Senate for 120 years. The man is 78 years old. I don't know what he was going, what he was trying to say. No, seriously. Some people are like, when Joe Biden says 2,000, he means 20,000. You know, he mixed his numbers up. He said 120 years. Did the dude triple? He's been in, he's been in government for 47 years. Where did 120 come from? Listen, we have to consider that if Joe Biden goes and speaks to, to foreign adversaries and world leaders, he's going to say things that make no sense and be unable to do the job, which is probably why Kamala Harris is reportedly taking these phone calls with world leaders and not Joe Biden. Well, let's read exactly what he said on the border crisis, because this one is the most egregious, in my opinion. Joe Biden has made the problem worse. Donald Trump may have dealt with a very serious border crisis, and we can criticize him for some of his earlier policies, but he did shut down some of these facilities the left has been complaining about. Joe Biden changed all this, and now it's getting bad again. That's his fault. Before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members-only posts from the TimCast IRL podcast. We have a ton of really great segments, people like Chrissy Mayer, comedian Kurt Schlichter. We got a full hour with James O'Keefe, my friends. We have now dozens of segments and even full podcast episodes that you will get access to. And I'll tell you this, we are looking to make more and more content. We're going to be doing a hokey cooking show later today, and we'll film it. We'll have it up as soon as possible based on a New York Times story that is really silly. But we want to make more than just this kind of content. We're going to do a lot more with your support. The Timcast Network will be expanding, creating new brands, new shows, and it helps protect me in the event that we get banned. So don't forget to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's get into this news. The Independent, not a conservative outlet, reports. Truth is, nothing has changed. Biden denies rise in migrants is because of him, which is wrong and a lie. They say President Joe Biden has pushed back against the narrative that his administration was effectively to blame for an uptick in migrant crossings along the U.S.-Mexico border following his electoral victory. Speaking to reporters on Thursday during his first press conference since assuming the Oval Office, the president noted border crossings have regularly risen for years during the winter months when migrants are most likely to survive the arduous journey to the southern border. Quote, I guess I should be flattered. People are coming because I'm I'm the nice guy. That's the reason it's happening, that I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. That's why they're coming. Biden's a good guy, Mr. Biden said. I'd like to think it's because I'm a nice guy, but it's not. The president pointed to domestic issues and international crises as the reason for annual migration from Latin America from Latin America to the U.S., rather than the transition of power between him and his predecessor, former President Donald Trump, who critics said used deterrent strategies throughout the region to prevent illegal crossings, including the controversial zero tolerance policy, which began the systematic separation of families along the border. Quote, it's because of earthquakes, floods, 
It's because of a lack of food. Mr. Biden continued. It's because of gang violence. The rate of migration continued to increase under Mr. Trump, despite his pledge to reduce the number of illegal crossings, while apprehensions along the U.S.-Mexico border reached their highest levels in 12 years. This is true. Under Donald Trump, we saw a massive surge in illegal border crossings. The left reacted very negatively, saying Donald Trump was putting kids in cages. Those cages were from the Obama administration, and Donald Trump shut those facility down, facilities down. Ultimately, the amount of migrants started to decrease, and we learned from these migrants they didn't want to remain in Mexico. Under Donald Trump's policy, the Remain in, Mexi- remain in Mexico policy, or the Migrant Protection Protocols, any migrant that crossed through Mexico to come to the U.S. had to remain in Mexico while their asylum was being processed. That's the important factor. And the big changes that Biden brought about have reversed this trend. They say Mr. Biden has vowed to build a new approach to the U.S. immigration system, which his administration has described as a more compassionate agenda than that of his predecessor. First things first, from MRC Newsbusters, quote, letting my hopes up. Illegal immigrants tell ABC, NBC, Biden is why they're here. Now, I can already hear the, the, the anger from those who are the corporate Democratic left saying, Tim, you rag on the fake news all the time, and now you're believing them? Yeah, there's a big accusation against CNN that CNN either staged or filmed a staged border crossing with a smuggler wearing a balaclava and pulling people across a river six times. Yeah, maybe it's fake. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But listen. The reason why I do use ABC, NBC, and, and point this out is that these networks were favoring the Democrats. They were extremely critical of Donald Trump. Now that they're pointing out that, that Joe Biden is the reason, according to illegal immigrants, it's particularly egregious. If the outlets that tend to be deferential to Democrats are criticizing Democrats, it must be something inescapable that Joe Biden is the problem. They point out this uh, reporter, Burns, Dasha Burns, spoke with one family via a translator. She said, some say the new president gave them hope for for a life in America. Why did you decide to come now? The illegal immigrant says to take advantage of the opportunities that the president has given to the people who come from Central America to come with their family. It was the same story in ABC when co-host Martha Raddatz spoke with a father from Brazil who fled to the U.S. with his family. He told her that Biden was getting his hopes up. Raddatz said, so did you come here because Joe Biden was elected president? This man says, basically, basically, the main thing was the violence in my country. And the second thing I think was Joe Biden. You know, he's like letting up my hopes. You know what I mean? Okay. And to be reasonable, he did say the first thing was the violence. Well, obviously, the first thing people are trying to flee is bad conditions. Otherwise, why leave? If you live in Brazil and you're doing really well and you're not a victim of any of these crimes or persecution, why leave? Brazil's actually kind of nice. I've been to Rio and Sao Paulo. It's kind of nice. But this guy clearly is facing some trouble. He decided to leave. I like the idea that we can help this person provide asylum. I was just watching that movie, The Hunt for Red October, about the Soviet Union. It was on the other day on the BBC or whatever. And it's about this, you know, Soviet who defects from, you know, to, to the, he defects to the U.S. because and he wants asylum. There are legitimate reasons to grant people asylum. Granted, that was a really good reason in that movie and during those times. However, it doesn't mean we can literally help everyone who's facing these troubles. It also doesn't mean that he, coming from Brazil, should ignore literally every other country he passes through. If you are in Brazil and you are facing serious trouble, 
there's a, a plethora of countries in South America and Central America before you come to the US. I get it. We're the best. Everybody wants to be here. Well, under Donald Trump, he said, nah, you got to remain in Mexico. Now, Joe Biden says otherwise, thus resulting in a poll factor. Voice of America reported February 3rd, 2020, Biden signs executive orders reversing Trump immigration policies. Whoa. <laughs> Joe Biden said, truth is nothing has changed. Uh, dude, it was like just about two months ago, we knew you literally changed the policies. They report U.S. President Joe Biden signed executive orders Tuesday to start to dismantle former President Donald Trump's restrictive immigration policies, including an attempt to reunite families that had been separated at the U.S.-Mexico border. I'm not making new law. I'm eliminating bad policy, Biden said while signing the orders. In the first hours of his presidency two weeks ago, Biden acted to halt construction on Trump's $16 billion border wall and sent a far-reaching immigration bill to Congress where lawmakers have long been stalemated between liberals looking to ease the path to U.S. citizenship and conservatives seeking to stem unauthorized immigration. We can also point out how Joe Biden said moratorium on deportations first hundred days. He lost that. Nothing has changed. Dude, you were on the debate stage advocating for these things. People saw this. You won. It changed everything. Biden is not being honest. He signed policies. Come on. They say Biden's immediate focus is on the 3100 kilometer southern border wall with Mexico, where Trump tried to keep thousands of migrants from Mexico, Honduras, El Salvador and Guatemala from entering the U.S. Trump led repair and expansion of a border wall and imposed tough detention and deportation policies for those who made it across the desolate border terrain and into the United States. One of the orders Biden is signing would establish a task force designed to reunite more than 600 migrant children with their parents after federal authorities had split them up at the border in 2017 and 18. Officials say First Lady Jill Biden is expected to play an active role in the effort. I am not saying that everything Joe Biden has done has been bad. I like the idea these families will be re- will be reunited. I do not believe that it was right to do in the first place. But I will point out when you frame it that way, it's fairly morally easy when the reality is sometimes we don't know if these kids are really with their parents. And so Donald Trump inherited this migrant problem from Obama. That's just the truth. Did Trump do a good job? Not the, not a perfect job. He did some things right. Were the were the people who worked in the Obama, in, in the Trump administration saying and doing all the right things? Absolutely not. But to put the blame squarely on one president is wrong. And I'll give that to Joe Biden as well. Biden needed only come out and say something very simple. I disagree with Donald Trump's approach. I am dismantling his policy structure. Unfortunately, this seems to have resulted in a crisis we are going to work around the clock to fix. But I will tell you this. When given the choice between humanitarian policies to help families and those seeking our help versus restrictive and draconian policies, I will seek to help these people. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying Biden could be honest and say something as simple than that. Don't look at me. I didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. It's just fundamentally not true. We know Joe Biden changed everything. We know we're getting this poll factor. And we know it's, get, it's, it's just worse under Joe Biden. NBC News, Biden immigration policies caused a predictable border crisis. Why didn't he plan for it? Playing to the Democratic base on the issue while ignoring the need for more enforcement has merely exacerbated the problem. I'm not saying that previous statement Joe Biden could have said was the correct statement. I'm saying he could have done a better job instead of just lying. He could have at least played to the hearts and minds of many people. 
The truth is, the policies he's enacting are reckless and dangerous. And maybe he should have just said that. Maybe he could have said, I just don't like Trump's policies. I don't like what he's doing. I don't like what he did. Great. Well, now we have to contend with the fact that the pull factor is going to result in more loss of life, more human suffering, because many people are willing to take that risk to come to the United States. It's that good. But listen, it's almost like you tell someone, all right, you can place a bet, five bucks, 10 bucks on this, you know, in this casino and you're, you have a 90% chance of winning a dollar or you can put it all on number 11, lucky 11 on roulette. And you've got an ast- you've got, you've got astronomical odds of winning $300 or 350, whatever the, whatever the casino is you're at. And they're going to risk it all and lose everything. That's the issue. If you tell them, no, 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 you're not, don't make that bet. You're just going to lose everything. You know, bet on this one where you'll come out ahead. That's the appropriate way to do it. Even NBC on March 14th ran this story from the, uh, the, the politics editor of the Washington Examiner. This is NBC News, you know, not a conservative publication. Granted, the Examiner is, but they're running this op-ed and I respect them for doing it because it's true. Everybody knew this man. Let me show you how CNN frames this. They say how the current U.S.-Mexico border crisis compares with the peak of the Trump era in 2019. All right, let's look at the graph. Increase in unaccompanied children arriving at the border has not yet peaked. The recent increase in unaccompanied children detained at the southwest U.S. border, most of whom are seeking asylum, mirrors similar increases during the Trump and Obama administrations. The steep rise in arrivals so early in the year, well before a typical peak in early summer months, suggests more children will arrive in the coming months. Whoa, whoa, whoa. wait, 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 what was what was that? You said you, you said CNN, the steep rise in arrivals so early in the year. So it is different from last time. Let's go back to May 2019. 11,475 children apprehended, uh, detained at the southwest border. We can then see February 21st, we're at 9,297. The peak is happening way earlier. So Joe Biden lies when he says in his conference, oh, these, these things happen all the time. You know, every year we see growth. No, no, we don't. 2018 to 2019, we didn't see growth. 2019 to 2020, we saw a massive spike. But look at this. Look at this. As soon as Donald Trump comes in, unaccompanied children drops to some of the lowest levels we've ever seen. It steadily increases in spikes. We then get the massive border crisis. Trump shuts it all down and the spike drops dramatically lower than it's been since like 2010. Well, that was going into 2020. And then guess what? In January, something changed. Joe Biden became president, and now the peak is skyrocketing faster than we've seen in any of the previous years to a higher point than we've seen in any of the previous years. So come on, just be honest about the problem. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this migrant stuff, but I got to make sure I mention just how bad the gaffes were. The media is claiming that, you know, there are these tweets from these establishment journalists like everybody was scared about Joe Biden giving a press conference. And now Joe Biden is handily proving them wrong. Is he? Check this out from the Sarah Carter show. Joe Biden, when I came to the U.S. Senate 120 years ago, what? (laughs) He actually said it. Speaking on the future of the filibuster at the first press conference of his presidency, President Joe Biden, 78, said he came to the Senate 120 years ago. 
With regard to the filibuster, I believe we should go back to the position of the filibuster that existed when I came to the U.S. Senate 120 years ago. (laughs) Biden became a senator when he was 29 and served for 36 years. Okay, my friends, what did he mean by this? The first thing I will say, there's criticism from establishment media types saying the, the conservatives are only focusing on the gaffes because they can't pay attention to what Biden's actually saying. The substance of his of, of, of his answers and his speech proves that he's capable to do, do this job. Hey, yeah, how about that? That's why I opened with the substance of what he said and the migrant crisis and the horrible job he's been doing, showing you how bad it's really getting. And now on to the gaffes. What you need to understand about the gaffes is that when Biden says this number wrong, we might laugh and think, what a silly man. What happens when he goes to a, a meeting with a foreign world, with a world leader, and we want $120 billion from, or, or, or yeah, we want $120 billion for this trade deal. And then Biden goes, look, look, look here, come on, man. You know, you want this deal? It's $120 uh, million, million dollars. And then all of a sudden they're like, did he just drop how much we got to pay by like a factor of a hundred or a thousand? All of a sudden it's a full several orders of magnitude decrease in what we would be owed because of a president who can't say words properly. And then they're like, oh, yeah, let's shake on it, Joe. Listen, I understand, you know, you want a president with experience and Donald Trump is an old man as well. But I think between the two of them, we got to do better, you know? I guess when you get a Donald Trump, it doesn't matter what his age is. He's pushing back on the establishment and the machine. And then you get a lot of scared establishment types who panic and cry every day for years in a media that smears the president. And then you end up with a new president, a Joe Biden, who's completely incapable of doing the job. And it's a downward spiral that we are all trapped in. But I want to make sure you hear this next gaffe, okay? Because maybe people are just going to say, who cares? You know, Joe Biden says, he says 120 years, who cares? All right, let me show you this gaffe. Here's a, uh, this is, this is a, Emily Miller tweets, what just happened? Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. Anyway? What do you mean anyway, Joe? Here's probably a better one from Caleb Paul. Maybe the audio is a little bit better on this one. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you, uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, I'm, we're going to get a lot done. So the best. Wow. I'm sorry, man. That's significant. While the media might try and claim that, oh, it's meaningless. And I made a joke about it on Twitter. I really love screwing with people on Twitter. You got to understand this. I was, I said something like the right is so desperate. They criticize Biden, even when he doesn't say anything at all. That was the joke. I was like, this clip proves he's the right man for the job. It's not a gaffe when he just stops speaking, right? Okay. Could you imagine this guy in, in, in fierce negotiations with North Korea and Kim Jong-un is like, I want to fire more ballistic missiles. And then Joe Biden goes, come on, man. You know, we got to, uh, you know, we got to, all right, whatever. That's it. And then North Korea is like, okay, <laughs> those are the negotiations. It's no surprise. They're pushing Kamala Harris to be the person to actually do these negotiations. Joe Biden says migrant surge is because I'm a nice guy. He claims Donald Trump dismantled the immigration system as he kicks off his first formal press conference. So this is from the Daily Mail. You kidding me? Donald Trump? 
Okay, Donald Trump did make some big changes. We can criticize Donald Trump for sure, but he wanted to build a big, beautiful border wall. What did he want? 30 feet of concrete from sea to shining sea. And that's insane. And people pointed out that's a ridiculous proposal. What did we get? Select bollard fencing in areas that needed more security. That made sense. Trump is the big ask guy. So that's what he did. Joe Biden came in, stripped all this down. He's now getting sued over apparent. Apparently, I guess someone saying there's some group saying he broke the law by ending construction on the border wall. And we got Senator Ron Johnson. Biden admin seems deaf, dumb and blind to border crisis and the dangers to migrants. Fox News reports. The Biden administration is deaf, dumb and blind to the dangers posed to the migrants as they attempt to cross the southern border. Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican from Wisconsin, told Fox and Friends on Thursday, addressing the crisis that prompted GOP lawmakers to visit the border. Now, I'll just pause for a second and say, I don't think the GOP is going to do anything at all. They're particularly ineffective. And this is why so many people like Trump, because he at least tried to get things done. Ron Johnson said, my guess is this administration will block it because they don't want the public to see what we'll be able to see. The disaster that is growing at the border. This is so sad. This didn't have to happen. This was not only predictable, it was predicted. During my chairmanship of the Homeland Security Committee, we held 30 hearings. We've all heard. We've heard all of this before. We've seen how these surges are used by traffickers and drug traffickers, human traffickers and drug traffickers. We know the inhumanity that is going to be sparking. And apparently the administration is just deaf, dumb and blind to it. Customs and Border Protection is an administration, an executive office agency. They control. We don't. Now we're obviously going to go down there. A group of 19 of us are going to go down there to highlight this. And, you know, coming on shows like this can also make the public aware of this. But, you know, let's face it. President Trump was able to largely fix the problem with the families and unaccompanied children exploiting our asylum laws. And we pretty much brought that to an end, by the way, with virtually no help from Democrats. Shall I go back to the graph and show you? He's right. While there have been ebbs and flows in the amount of migrants, the number has spiked and generally increased up until Trump got a new office. Into 2017, the number of unaccompanied children dropped dramatically. During Trump's administration, it started to rise and peaked for, to its highest point in the past 11 years on May 2019. So did Trump make mistakes and engage in practices that may have made the problem bad? Possibly. It seems like under Trump, the problem was getting really bad. But then following the May 2019 peak, did Trump shut down the problem? Yes. And right into the end of his administration, like I mentioned before, the amount of migrant, unaccompanied migrant children reached its lowest levels in over 10 years. I can't go back 10 years as as far as the graph from CNN goes. Then Biden comes in and everything just gets worse. It really is amazing to me that they want to pass the buck on this. President Biden's asylum policy is Trump's policy, immigration attorney says. So what do we get now? Joe Biden shuts down Trump's plan. He lies about it and apparently now is seeking to reinstate exactly what Trump had already done. I swear, you know, the Democrats were so obsessed with Donald Trump, accusing him of being the worst of the worst, that no matter what he did, it was wrong. You need to understand this, especially for, for all you liberals out there who are hiding and don't want anyone to realize that you secretly voted for Trump. Listen, anyone who tells you that Trump is all good or all bad is lying to you, period, because no one is. 
And there are a lot of people that no matter what happens, they're like, no, Trump's still going to do it. And that's why we saw the wave of the QAnon people, where it's like, no matter how many times Trump was losing the election, they kept believing he was winning. It's nuts. Those people were wrong. Worse still, however, was the larger establishment faction. I'll point this out because Glenn Greenwald had this tweet. If you think the Boogaloo boys, the Proud Boys or whatever, are the real seat of power in this country, not the CIA, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, etc., then you know, and, and you're just a stenographer for the establishment, then your journalism is, you know, S. I'll put it one step further. If you think the real threat to this country is the Q people and not the establishment press lying every day to our faces, you are wrong. And you need to figure out where you went wrong. CNN, why should I trust them in this regard? It's a good question. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe they're wrong. But I really doubt that the network that was the orange man bad network, that all they did was prop up Democrats and rag on Republicans. I really doubt they're going to come out now and turn on Democrats unless they have no choice. And that's the reality. People are filming this stuff. Now, it could be. It could be. CNN and all these other outlets are turning on Democrats because they need a boogeyman. Can't maintain those ratings unless you got that boogeyman. Maybe that's the sad case. Maybe they're lying. But what I think is happening is that the media drove most people insane, these liberal types. And they told you that everything Trump did was wrong. So then when Biden gets in, he goes, I'm going to end Trump's policies. And he signs a book and stamps it, creating a massive surge of migrants when his intention was probably always to reinstate and keep those policies in the first place. But he needed to win the media over by saying, I got rid of Trump's policies. And then they go, "Uh, yeah, but you re-implemented them. And they're basically the same thing. No, no, these are Biden policies now. They're different. Could it be that while Trump was a lewd, lascivious old man and a braggart, bombastic, and sometimes annoying to a lot of people, he actually still had some good policy plans, some good ideas, and he actually did a good job with the border? Could it be that Donald Trump has many, many character flaws, but still got some things right? Could it be that Trump actually got a lot of things right? Yes, it's so simple. I love this article I talked about the other day where the Washington Post was like, Trump said the media would suffer without him. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. No, no, no. There's a big difference between saying someone's not wrong and saying someone is right. If you were saying he's not wrong, it would imply that the media just wasn't doing that well. No, you say he's right because the media is in free fall. Ad rates are down for everybody. And these 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 companies like CNN and even Newsmax are suffering in the ratings. Money is drying up. It wasn't that Trump was not wrong. It said he was 100% correct on the issue. Without the man, there's nothing to latch on to. And while Joe Biden is important as the president, most people just don't care about him. And so he'll gaff, he'll lie, he'll push falsehoods, and they mostly won't care. Same as with Barack Obama. I know exactly what's going to happen. Look, Donald Trump had a lot of problems. And I voted for him because there were several things that I thought were really important. Banning critical race theory. Ron DeSantis is doing that now. And maybe the new era for lip, for left and right, liberal conservative, won't even have anything to do with these things. It'll just be, are you a constructivist or an essentialist? Are you a woke ideologue or are you a regular American? Because there is a million and one things I do not agree with conservatives on. And most of my economic policy positions tend to be left leaning. Like I keep saying, hey, increase the progressive tax to tax the ultra wealthy a lot more because I don't like billionaires flooding the political system. That's typically a left wing position, not a conservative one. Yet here I am because of Donald Trump's plan on immigration, on the economy, on school choice, critical race theory. He was the correct choice. 
and war, to be completely honest. That was the big one. Well, here we go, baby. The left that screamed about war, the left that complained about kids in cages. Many of these people are gone. It's going to be a rude awakening for these Gen Z socialist types who just started voting and believed Joe Biden was the real hero. Now all their allies in the Democratic establishment have disappeared. Yeah, they voted for Joe Biden. And now that Joe Biden is doing all the things they were complaining about in the first place, their allies who led them astray or led them to this point are gone. I experienced it with Barack Obama. The anti-war left, they're all screaming, oh, Obama, you know, you know, he's going to save us. George W. Bush, the war is bad. Obama gets in and goes full on full scale war. And these people vanished. So here we go. The establishment is back in the picture. They're going to lie. They're going to ditch and, and dodge press conferences. They're going to take they're going to drag their feet to do it because they know that the media apparatus they control, the ideologues they control, will just lie to the American people and keep the machine a turning. And there it is. Joe Biden's first press conference. I wouldn't say it went out with a bang and I wouldn't necessarily say it went out with a whimper. It was kind of just whatever, I guess. He's a particularly weak president. He said some dumb things and he needs to own up to the problems that he's causing. But other than that, he's a gaffe machine and we all know it. No surprise there. Maybe he will finally give a joint uh, an address to a joint session of Congress. Um, otherwise, he's getting close to breaking uh, Jimmy Carter's record. Go back to 1977 for that. We'll see what he does. I, I got a feeling he won't do it, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. This is the live show. So come hang out. We're going to talk cultural politics and issues with, some, with a great guest. And uh, leave your comments. We answer them live on the show. YouTube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and we will see you all then. In July of 2019, off the coast of California, Several U.S. naval destroyers were swarmed by tic-tac-shaped, unidentified aerial phenomena. Now, in the story, they say drones, but they also recognize they don't know what they were. And they were tic-tac-shaped, which is something that we hear a lot in these reports about UFOs or what they now call UAPs. Now, this story to many might just be another silly, paranormal, nonsensical story, but my friends... We're in very serious times. There are very serious concerns about the prospect of war between the United States and China. So you can take this story to be the paranormal and the weird and the wild. In reality, I think it reeks of something much more devastating. The United States is horribly underclassed against whatever threat this may be. And we have no reason to believe it's aliens. I think that's just... A trope, it comes from movies, it comes from popular culture, but when we see vehicles or technology we can't understand, the reality is there have been for a long time top secret military projects. And if our Navy is freaked out and chased and they can't identify or do anything about this, we seem to be horribly underclassed in any potential upcoming conflict should there be one. We're hearing now that this UFO report that's supposed to come out may be delayed. We're hearing from Trump's former national uh, uh, director of national intelligence that there are reports of these tic-tac-shaped vehicles, these UFOs, making maneuvers we cannot explain, traveling faster than the speed of sound without actually breaking the sound barrier, or as they described it, breaking the sound barrier with no sound. This to me is freaky, because I'm not going to jump the gun and say aliens I think the simple solution, the least amount of assumptions is that 
our adversaries on this planet, our the actual rival nations obviously have been working very hard to develop new technologies and capabilities to combat us. And we've been too busy bickering about complete BS culture war garbage to realize what's happening all around us. Now, perhaps some people would prefer to believe it's aliens. I think that's silly. But even in that case, we should recognize there is a very powerful entity, be it China, Russia, or aliens, that we will not be able to compete with. And that means we're in a very weak position. Let's check out this story. Because I know a lot of people are, are, are going to, they're going to ignore it. Swarms of flashing tic, tic, tic-tac-shaped UFOs chased four U.S. Navy destroyers off California coast at 45 miles per hour and hovered above them at night for weeks, for weeks, ship, ship's logs reveal. I think we need to consider that much like the Manhattan Project, there has been a rapid development of new technologies the public will not know about. And I think if we would like to be optimistic, we need to cross our fingers and hope that what this was was actually classified U.S. technology. Because if it's not, well, then we're going to lose any upcoming conflict should this be terrestrial technology. The Daily Mail reports U.S. Navy warships stationed off the coast of Los Angeles encountered swarms of mysterious drones which pursued them at high speed in low visibility, prompting a high-level investigation and some head-scratching among top military brass. The series of encounters with suspected UAVs, or unmanned aerial vehicles, in July 2019 saw as many as six mystery aircraft swarm several U.S. Navy warships close to a sensitive training area at the Channel Islands, according to The Drive. Based on the deck log data from four U.S. destroyers targeted in the series of encounters, The Drive worked out that the drones flew at speeds of up to 45 miles an hour and traveled at least 100 nautical miles, far exceeding the capabilities of any commercially available unmanned craft. The incident was brought to the attention of the Chief of Naval, Op- Naval Operations and the FBI. And at one point, the Navy began investigating itself as the potential source of the mystery drone operators. However, before conclusive answers could be uncovered, the Navy classified all the communications about their investigation. Now, why would they do that? Simple solution. Least amount of assumptions. Okay, this is U.S. naval tech. We, as the United States, have access to amazing technologies the public doesn't know about. That would make me much happier. I'd be a bit more relieved to discover that it's us. I don't think America is perfect, but I certainly think we do a way better job than China or other foreign adversaries. And if I had to choose who should own the power, I'd easily say the United States. I hope that the United States doesn't go into any kind of war with China. I hope we don't get to that point. And I hope new technologies and stories like this might provide some stability. In the end, this story could be completely fake. Why? Well, we have foreign adversaries who threaten us, and there are concerns about the prospect of wars I've mentioned. One deterrent is psychological warfare. Convincing your adversaries you have access to technology they do not would make them reticent to initiate any conflict or attack you. These stories could be completely fake. I don't know. What I do know is, should this technology be real, we better cross our fingers that it's us. They're going to say the drive, which investigates military weaponry and tactics using ship logbooks and internal emails released by the Navy under the Freedom of Information Act, were able to reconstruct the bizarre series of events. 
Their account shows the drama began on the night of July 14th, 2019. Deck logs from the USS Kid show that just before 10 p.m. that night, two drones were spotted. Notice they're saying drones, even though these are unidentified aerial phenomena, tic-tac shaped, much like what we've heard from many other reports. Many people, uh, we, we have these naval reports where there are pilots who will see a tic-tac shaped object in the sky move in ridiculous ways at ridiculous speeds and turn on a dime, almost as if it is unrestrained from the forces of inertia and I guess physical space. When they say that it can break the sound barrier with no sound, it sounds like whatever these objects are, they're moving between space time. Or I honestly have no idea. I'm not a learned enough scientist or physicist to tell you what any of that really means. But it does certainly seem that they're not confined by standard motion. They say an onboard intelligence crew responsible for documenting and investigating contact with unknown vessels known as the ship nautical or otherwise photographic interpretation and exploitation team or Snoopy ha 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 was engaged to figure out who or what the mystery flying objects were within a few minutes of the sighting reports show the USS kid moved into quiet mode minimizing communications as it sought to work what the threat level was it contacted a nearby warship also on patrol the USS Rafael Peralta, who also engaged their onboard photo intelligence team, Snoopy. Several other U.S. Navy destroyers on patrol nearby began noticing strange lights. The USS John Finn also reported UAV activity and noticed a red flashing light at 10.03 p.m., according to its logbook. Just over an hour later at 11.23 p.m., the USS Rafael Peralta spotted a white light hovering over the flight deck. The drone was able to remain hovering above the destroyer's helicopter landing pad while traveling at speeds of 16 knots and in low visibility. The nearly 90 minute encounter was well beyond the capability of commercially available drones. The next night, the drones returned, this time as the warships were patrolling closer to the California mainland. Could this be private technology, R&D companies in the United States developing new kinds of drone tech? Perhaps. Maybe it's government contracts. I don't see, though, why a private company would engage with U.S. naval vessels. That seems particularly brazen. Could it be top secret, classified, whatever you want to call it, U.S. military tech? Perhaps. And I'll tell you this. They're right. A 90-minute encounter with drones, not possible. Anybody who's flown any commercial commercially available drones, uh, drone knows that these things can fly for like 20 to 30 minutes. And that's what the best of the best. The more battery power you include on the drone, the heavier it becomes and the more power it consumes. There is a happy medium. There's a point at which you're going to maximize your flight time, no matter how big and how much battery power you put on this thing. Unless, of course, civilian technology is substantially far behind the military, which makes a ton of sense. So why would these logs get released? Like I mentioned, maybe what we're really experiencing is that these Naval vessels didn't have the appropriate level of clearance to know what was happening. And maybe this was a test by new new technology developed by the U.S. military to see how the U.S. would respond to this. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Check this out. We got some really amazing tweets. Did the Navy ship USS Kidd encounter a UAP in July 2019 in the Southern California Oparia trying to find out more? The ship logs indicate a Snoopy team was deployed, an intel section that tries to visually ID objects. DM if you know more. They say they were first spotted by the USS Rafael Peralta, and the ship's Snoopy team was engaged at 8.39 p.m. At 8.56 p.m., 
Logs show the USS Kidd had also come into contact with the drones. The drones seemed to have pursued the ships even as they continued to maneuver throughout the incident, the drive reported. Logbooks on board the USS Russell show drones were swarming all over it, dipping in elevation from 1,000 to 700 feet and seemingly able to move in any direction. The USS Russell had separate contact with drones nine occasions on nine occasions with less within less than an hour. Then at 9.20 p.m. that night, the USS Kidd noticed multiple UAVs around the ship. The USS Rafael Peralta was also swarmed by as many as four drones. It was contacted by a passing cruise ship, the Carnival Imagination, to say they too had spotted up to six drones. The three-hour frenzy of activity continued until close to midnight, with none of the warships able to say with certainty where the drones had come from. The Navy's top commanders, including the Chief of Naval Operations, and commander of the Pacific Fleet were notified. The L.A. Bureau of the FBI was also brought in to look at the incident. The subsequent investigation found that just a handful of civilian ships were in the area at the time that could have been used as landing pads for the drones. In- investigators suspected the drones may have been launched from the ORV El Guida, a catamaran in the area. And while the El Guida did have drones on board, it was soon, esta- it was soon established its aircraft were not capable of such aeronautical feats. Tic-tac shaped. That's the key here. That's not normal. Although you can easily mask any standard drone with any shape frame, for sure. Naval intelligence was brought in on the investigation, and it was soon during its glare inwards. Turning its glare inwards, the area is home to a large U.S. naval base on San Clemente Island, where sensitive training operations are often undertaken. Soon afterward, the Navy classified the investigation, preventing further information from being released to the drive. There were further drone sightings later in July 2019 with Snoopy teams uh, on, uh, abroad on board. The destroyers again being called to identify the drones and work out where they were coming from. The bizarre incident was first noticed by filmmaker Dave Beatty, a UFO researcher. In, in June 2020, he tweeted, which I, I, I already mentioned, later relaying information he received from a Navy source. Beatty said a crew member on board could see them with the naked eye and they were almost eye level with the bridge hovering. They were the same tic-tac-shaped objects. Beatty said the sightings occurred in the same area as another infamous UFO sighting in 2004, which became known as the Nimitz Encounters. The drive said there remained baffling questions about how the drones had been able to fly with such breathtaking skill, speed, and maneuverability. If the drones were not operated by the American military, these incidents represent a highly significant security breach. Just a few days ago, the former director of national intelligence revealed the U.S. has evidence of UFOs breaking the sound barrier without a sonic boom and making maneuvers impossible with known technology. And here we go from USA Today. Upcoming UFO report will be difficult to explain, former national intelligence official says. They go on to say a former top national intelligence official hinted that the upcoming government report on UFOs will include information that cannot be easily explained. Quote, there are instances where we don't have good explanations for some of the things that we've seen. And when that information becomes declassified, I'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. Former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, told Maria Bartiromo on Friday. Ratcliffe said some UFO sightings have been declassified in the past, but a report to be released by the Pentagon and other federal agencies will present more information to the American people. Quote, there have been sightings all over the world, Ratcliffe said. And when we talk about sightings, the other thing I will tell you, it's not just a pilot or just a satellite or some intelligence collection. 
Usually we have multiple sensors that are picking up these things. Ratcliffe said elements that are hard to explain in the unreleased sightings include movements that are hard to replicate or traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without creating a sonic boom. The report is expected to be be released on June 1st, Bataramo said later in the program. However, we're now learning this from WFLA Channel 8 NBC. The UFO report might miss its deadline, according to Senator Marco Rubio. I want to mention on this stuff. This is serious, serious stuff. We are not a unified planet, and it would be great if we were. There are potentially extraterrestrial threats, but I think that's a little bit, I don't know, fantastic in the sense that it's, 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 it's fantasy. It's easier for us to think these things. But there could be serious security breaches of our country by technology we can't explain. It could be psychological operations. And we may be in a very, very weakened position. That's it. It's remarkable how they they talk about these vehicles traveling past the speed of sound without breaking the sound barrier, without the sound, without the eruption. And also, they've reported in some of these encounters that the tic-tac-shaped objects will be going straight at a high rate of speed and then just turn 90 degrees on a dime instantly without any loss of momentum. That sounds like some kind of bypassing of inertia. That's what's crazy. For those that are fans of Star Trek and and shows like this, they've often, you know, um, fantasized, I guess I'll say it, about inertial dampeners. And that's how they're effectively able to control gravity on these ships in outer space. And when they drop out of warp and drop out of high rates of speed, people on the ship don't go flying and crashing into the walls and dying because they're not really traveling at high rates of speed. They're moving through space. Now, in these shows, there is physical movement through space. The, the ships do move. The warp drive in Star Trek is where they, you know, move in between. But they have this technology. I wonder how much of what we've theorized or hypothesized in shows like this could actually be made to be a reality and perhaps inspired by these shows. I'll give you, I'll give you a really good example. Again, big fan of Star Trek. You probably know this. But they had tablets. In Star Trek The Next Generation, in the late 80s and early 90s, there are many scenes where you will see Captain Picard holding a tablet and touching the screen. It's amazing because who would have thought, you know, 20 or 30 years later, everybody would have something like this. In fact, the monitor I use in front of me is a touchscreen tablet. So what if what we're seeing is U.S. technology inspired by these ideas from TV and movie? Or maybe. Well, we might not know soon enough because we may miss this, miss this deadline. They say one day after talking to a TMZ photographer about UFOs and highly anticipated UA, U, and the highly anticipated UAP report that is supposed to be submitted by U.S. intelligence agencies by June 1st, Senator Marco Rubio told Fox Business he is not sure they're going to come in on time. But the clock remains ticking for the Pentagon's hush-hush program to investigate UFOs and the other intelligence agencies included in the request. At the Pentagon, it's called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, and it has been ordered to prepare a detailed overview of the UFO mystery for submission to Congress. However, as Senator Rubio mentioned, there were already challenges to meeting this deadline. The first public mention of the UAPTF came in June 2020, when the Senate Intelligence Committee formally asked the Pentagon for a comprehensive analysis of the UFO mystery. Over the previous three years, members and staff of key committees had received closed-door briefings about startling encounters between the U.S. military and UAPs. Senator Rubio has acknowledged to Mystery Wire that lawmakers consider this to be a serious matter. 
Late last week, John Ratcliffe, the top intelligence official under Trump, mentioned what we already know. Some of these have been declassified. A spokesperson for current DNI, Avril Haines, told Politico.com that we are aware of the requirement and will respond accordingly. They go on to mention what we've heard from Maria Bartiromo, and they say Marco Rubio said, we're sure we have lots of reports about what we call unidentified aerial phenomenon. There are a lot more sightings than have been made public. Sometimes we wonder whether or not our adversaries have technologies that are a little bit further down the road than we thought or that we realized. Maria Bartiromo said, so, Senator, what what about that? What can you tell us? Rubio said, well, we have things flying over military installations, over military exercises in other places, and we don't know what it is. It isn't ours. It isn't anything that's registered with the FAA. And in many cases, exhibits attributes of things. We've never seen tech. We've never seen technology, the kinds of technology we haven't seen before. At least that's what it seems like. I think you have to know what it is or we have to try to know what it is. That's my view of it without any preconceived notions. Maybe there's a logical explanation. Maybe it's a, you know, something that can be explained away. Maybe it's a foreign adversary who's made a technological leap. As you've heard from the former DNI, whatever it is, we need to know the answer to it. The problem with the issue is every time you raise it, people get all nervous. Oh, does this mean UFOs and aliens and extraterrestrials? We don't have to go so far. It's very simple. There are things flying over national security installations. We don't know who they are. I don't know what it is. It isn't ours. We need to find out. Talk about insane. Wow. The alien thing is a distraction. I know many of us maybe want to believe. I don't think so. I think we are admitting that we have something violating our airspace, our military institutions, and we don't know what it is. Man, we're in serious trouble. It's probably spy craft. How many people in China? 1.3 billion. How many people in the US? 330 million. Now think about this. The authoritarian regime of the, China, of the Chinese Communist Party is a command economy and they can dictate what gets produced and they can allocate resources in certain directions. Now, there are a few really interesting things to consider when it comes to surveillance technology. The amount of resources required to build things. Step one, why I mentioned the populations. The United States is a partially decentralized economy. It is not overtly laissez-faire capitalistic, but it is mostly. There still are government contracts and initiatives which can guide the development and production of certain things. However, we only have 330 million people. The more people you have, the more advanced your technology becomes because you get more specialists. If you go way back in time when everybody knew everything there was to know, you had one guy who figured out how to make a wheel. Now's about it. One guy could do it. In fact, go back far enough and it was possible that one person could know everything humans knew. Today, we have people who specialize in circuitry, metals, smelting, polymers, etc. And they can't tell you how to do any of the other job. The guy who makes the plastics at the factory and the molding probably can't tell you how to make a circuit board, probably can't tell you how to make heating coils. Now, I guess maybe there's some people have a general overview for management and production of, say, a toaster. But we have so many different specialists. Now you take a look at China. They have, they have several advantages. As much as we detest authoritarianism, they have that command economy advantage. Look, the, the Soviet Union was outpacing us in terms of the space race. They beat us in terms of satellites and getting a person into space. The first man, Yuri Gagarin. However, we were able to get to the moon faster because we just shoved everything into it and said, we got to do this. They're beating us. Ultimately, our system proved more resilient because of freedom, 
Because individuals in this country have the, the right to pursue their own businesses, the Soviet Union went overboard with it. Command economy didn't work. It collapsed. Plus the authoritarianism, people were freaked out. Jobs were being done half-assed. China is attempting to use capitalistic endeavors with the Chinese Communist Party, having groups within companies to guide and direct and make things they want. It is entirely possible, in my opinion, what we're seeing is China has access to tech and they want us to know about it. I don't know if it's China. I'm not, I don't want to go that far, but I can tell you hearing this from Senator Marco Rubio should scare people. I don't think you should be panicking or freaking out and thinking the aliens are coming. But it is kind of nerve wracking when we have our own politicians have no idea what's happening because there's two things to consider. Well, there's a few things to consider. If this is aliens and we don't know what it is. All right. We're at their behest. There's already crazy stories and conspiracy theories about how like UFOs floated over our nuclear missile sites and deactivated them. You've heard those stories, right? Okay, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. People talk about that stuff. What I'm what I'm saying is that these stories about these strange objects interfering with our national security means that ultimately we're at the behest. We're subservient in a sense, submissive to whatever force is out there. Now, maybe it's just surveillance tech. Maybe it's just Chinese surveillance tech or some kind of advanced tech. It's still really, really bad for us. Possibly. Maybe it's our own development. But that means our own representatives who are supposed to vote on this stuff have no idea what the U.S. is building. An out of control military industrial complex. How about that? When I was a kid, there was a meme. Emails were sent around where they explained that military technology advances much more quickly than civilian technology. Take a look at rocketry. You take a look at the development of, you know, computers and things like this. And the military typically has access to the best of the best. If there's an exponential increase year over year in what the military can produce and what civilians can produce, then at a certain point, military operations go extremely top secret and they're probably teleporting around and who knows what. That was the meme. I'm not saying it's true. It's also possible the government is completely inept, outsources everything to the private sector, and we have just become feeble. Did you really think the U.S. would be the technological, you know, authority forever? Maybe not. Maybe it's I I defer to China in, in terms of who it may be simply because they're our biggest threat and they're rapidly growing and developing and Russia, not so much. But I guess we'll have to wait for this report to come out either way. The story about these UFOs, uh, UAPs swarming these U.S. naval vessels should keep you on your toes. We'll see where this leads us. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I think we need some kind of anti-corruption task force. We need something to deal with the ultra-wealthy, ultra-privileged elites, the royal families of this country who exploit the system, who flood the zone with cash, subverting the will of working class Americans. I don't care for the elites. I don't care for the millionaires and the billionaires. I especially don't care for the Democrats nor the Republican establishment. Something interesting happened in the past several years where the conservatives, I should say the Republican Party, finally saw a populist wave. I don't understand why left-wing populists are so angry about this. We mostly agree on the wealthy elites being a problem. Granted, conservatives still hold true to several values, like they don't think taxing the rich for the most part solves the problem because then you just give the government money. I agree with that. But I do think we need something because check out this story. Governor Cuomo is snowed under an avalanche of scandals. As new reports claim, he offered his family special access to COVID-19 tests at the height of the pandemic. That's right. Andrew Cuomo 
gave his family special access. He also killed 15,000 people. Wrapped up in this scandal is not just the embroiled, embattled governor, awful governor, by the way, but CNN, because CNN defended Chris Cuomo, their anchor, getting access to this vaccine. So let me tell you, I'll I'll keep this part light, but I want to say I've been tweeting recently like tax the rich as kind of just like a blanket whatever statement. There's so much missing context to what that really means. And there are many people on the right who are like, I don't know about this. And many libertarians like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, dude, I'm not saying a good, hardworking person who creates a great product and has a company and hires staff is who we want to punish. What I'm trying to say when I when I when I talk about taxing the rich, for one, it's meant to be kind of just a blanket virtue jab that means nothing. But for some reason, people hoot about. But I will tell you this definitively, by all means, Cuomo, his brother, CNN, these powerful institutions, the millionaires and the billionaires subverting our, our, our government, people like Tom Steyer dumping tens of millions of dollars to ban guns and violate our rights. Why would anyone support these people in any capacity? Here's my joke. Tax the rich. Give all the money to Elon Musk because he's building spaceships. My point is not necessarily that taxes solve anything, not necessarily that it's morally correct, just that we need some kind of, I don't know, corruption task force. I don't care if you're rich. I don't want to take anything from you. I'm particularly well off, and I don't think I should just give up all of my my resources to people like Cuomo. The real problem is not the rich, and I hope the left realizes this. The real problem is corrupt crony corporatist politicians who pretend to be on the left. But we got to do something about this. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers, my friends. So by all means, feel free to disagree with me. But I will tell you, the idea that Michael Bloomberg can dump, what did he dump? Like several hundred million dollars, like $500 million into the election. Congratulations, Republicans. That's the money that helped Democrats retain control of the House. They flood this market with all of this cash, making it impossible for regular Americans to compete. In the end, what will happen is the populist left that for the most part still falls in line with the Democratic establishment supporting Joe Biden are going to lend their power to the the establishment that will then take away our rights. It's the stupidest thing ever. You can look at these Twitter accounts where it's like Biden voters posting their L's online, their losses. And there's people like, I can't believe he's reopened these child migrant facilities. Look, I'm not going to blame the dumb people who got duped by the establishment and the corporate Democrats, but I'm at least going to point out that they lend their power in this capacity. We need something to deal with the corruption. These people like the Cuomos, I tell you this, man, check out this story from Business Insider. They say Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York has had a bad year and the hits just keep coming. Cuomo, after building a national profile by offering a semblance of reassurance during the early days of the pandemic, is now watching his image and political uh, career quickly erode. Yeah, because he's a scumbag. They say, amid a slew of misconduct allegations, a federal investigation into his administration's undercounting of nursing home COVID-19 deaths and reports of a structurally unsafe bridge named after his father, Cuomo now faces a fourth major controversy. The third term governor is accused of arranging special access to state administered coronavirus tests for his family members and other high profile figures as the pandemic battered New York early last year. This story perfectly exemplifies exactly what I've been saying. Many people on the left blindly hooted and hollered cheering on CNN and Andrew Cuomo 
And now we're learning just how depraved they really are and how screwed up Joe Biden is. Maybe you weren't happy with Trump's policies, but to act like Joe Biden was better was always the stupidest thing I had ever heard. No, I'm sorry. Donald Trump was the better choice. That's just a sad reality for a lot of people. Here's what I think happened, though. We saw a lot of nine million people moved from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party to vote for Trump. People who had never voted for moved over and voted for Trump. And they recognized that Trump was the better of the options because at least he was populist. Now, the left doesn't like the right wing and they hate right wing more than they like the idea of populist, which is insane to me. And that's where this really comes down. When I look at the the the, the political battlefield, I think populist first and foremost is the most important thing. How many of you watching this are like millionaires or billionaires and are really concerned about what might happen to your income? Probably not very many of you. You won't expect to be taxed in this regard. But I'm sure many of you principally refuse the reject the idea that the government could take people's resources that I respect. I don't like the government having this power. However, I have to look at the choices we have and then come to the conclusion that populist comes first. If someone is on the left and they're pro-gun and the left populists are absolutely pro-gun, the socialists literally pro-gun, then I think we have more in common with them than we do with the corporate establishment elites. Now, I don't know ultimately where you go from there, but I don't like the idea that Tom Steyer, Michael Bloomberg, George Soros, you name it, have been flooding our system and winning. This is what I got to say, too. It's like, you know, they, they, they like to accuse me of being conservative and all that. I'm like, look at what Cuomo is doing. He's killing people. He's giving his family special access. Oh, they support it anyway. But here's 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 my uh, my main point. I've always been in favor of regulating out of control corporations. I've never been a fan of government corruption, and I think it needs to be weeded out. I don't understand where like, where is that just why can't we just be for the people? And that means maybe we won't agree on the solutions, but we can certainly agree F people like Cuomo and Bloomberg and Soros and the Koch brothers and anybody else who wants to manipulate our political space and subvert the will of actual Americans. I, I tend to find, you know, myself politically in the middle. I see, you know, back in the day, the Democrats advocating for controls on immigration that they don't anymore. Now I see Joe Biden getting attacked by the left or the child uh, migrant facilities. And I'm like, well, what should they do, man? I said the same thing under Trump. What should they do? My problem is the corruption. I don't have all the solutions, man. I don't know. I don't know all the answers, but I kind of I, I look at some of what the left says and the right says, and I'm like, there's good ideas on both sides. Can we take both of those sets of good ideas and get rid of the bad ideas and then do something about these ultra elites that are destroying our system? Honestly, man, I don't I don't I, I don't have the answers. I really don't, because I'm worried that, you know, the idea of taxing the rich ultimately just results in the government having too much power. There are, I think, 600 or so billionaires in this country like 18,000 millionaires or so. And so there's more rich people than there are people in government. I don't trust people in government either. I don't want either either sec- sector to have a monopoly on power. So what do we do? Do we just fight? The problem then is so long as we're fighting amongst ourselves, the ultra elites like Cuomo will literally kill people and they will get away with it. I give you one of the best tweets. Michael Malice, you get way too many shout outs from me, but you deserve it. He said, White mass murderers never get wounded by the police and rarely even get prosecuted. And it's a photograph of Andrew Cuomo and Gretchen Whitmer. Bravo. I am sick to my stomach looking at these Democrat politicians who murdered people and they get away with it. They get away with it. What do we do? 
You know, I tweeted tax Hollywood elites, 90 percent and a bunch of conservatives were like, OK, we're, we're good with that one. And then some leftists were like, he doesn't really want to tax the rich. He just wants to go after Hollywood. I'm like, it's a compromise, isn't it? You want to tax the rich? We'll start with them. How about that? We'll start somewhere. Now, these Democrats who killed all these people, we're going to arrest them. That's what I'm sick of. Let's stop fighting with each other and start focusing on the corrupt nobility, these royal family types, these people who think they're deserving of this power over you, who would destroy your lives, destroy your business, lie to our faces and kill people. And I'm not just talking about the politicians. I'm talking about CNN, too. I just don't like the establishment. So here's here's what I see with this whole like left and right debate, libertarian or otherwise. Everyone is mostly just angry with corruption from the ultra elites. So maybe taxing isn't the right answer. Maybe the right answer is arresting the corrupt. It just doesn't happen. And that's the big problem. We're slipping back into this idea of just nobles, the Cuomo family. This is an article from Glenn Greenwald. I'll show you a little bit of it. CNN's defense of Chris Cuomo's special COVID privileges is grotesque. How can a media outlet credibly claim to denounce abuse of power by political officials when they defend and glorify their own anchors participation in it? Because, Glenn, they are deceivers, manipulators. They are the corrupt establishment. They weaponize the political class so that they can make money and make themselves rich and their friends fund it. You know, it's funny, though. The way I see the whole problem is Cuomo is the pawn and puppet of these ultra elite billionaires and millionaires. I'm proud of you if you've made a lot of money. My, my, my business is doing very well and we're looking to expand. We're, we want to launch new shows and new series. But I take a look at, you know, my company, and what I do. And I take a look at other individuals who have become successful through independent work and journalism, though they're few. And I'm like, good. If you make a good product, maybe you sold a pillow. Congratulations. People like the pillow. You got rich. That's what it's supposed to be about. That's why I'm a capitalist, because I believe that an individual who is smart, driven and successful has a right to expand upon these ideas, offer up jobs and opportunities. And that decentralized trade and economic system results in prosperity. However, we are being torn apart by people like the Cuomo's by the Pelosi's, by the Schumer's, by Mitch McConnell. What do we do? It's a tough question. Glenn Greenwald writes, ever since the COVID pandemic subsumed most countries on the planet, there have been numerous scandals and controversies relating to those who corruptly obtain medical privileges and other exemptions unavailable to ordinary citizens. These scandals typically arise when someone uses their wealth, power, or connections to jump in front of others for access to potentially life-saving procedures or medications or grant themselves and their friends license to ignore what everyone else must endure. Right now in Brazil, for instance, there's a burgeoning scandal from reports that a group of business people with ties to the government arranged to purchase their own private stash of vaccines for use for themselves, families and friends in violation of the law. In the U.S., people were outraged when very young members of Congress were among the first to receive the vaccine, although the law permitted them to do so. Those young Congress members justified their line jumping on the ground that they were doing so selflessly to encourage others. Meanwhile, other members of Congress refused this privilege on the ground, as Rep. Ilhan Omar put it, that it is shameful for young lawmakers to believe they are more important than workers. Repeatedly in the U.S., politicians were caught exempting themselves from lockdown orders 
They were imposing on everyone else. That's what I'm mad about. Can I get just like everybody to come together and be like the corrupt establishment and ultra wealthy elites are siphoning, siphoning away the resources from the working class through the International Monetary Fund and things like the Federal Reserve. And these are problems, whether you're on the left or the right. I don't know, man. Glenn writes, but those pale in comparison to the abuse of power by Governor Andrew Cuomo, Democrat of New York, and his brother, CNN host Chris Cuomo, as reported on Wednesday by the Albany Times Union and the Washington Post, high level members of the State Department of Health were directed last year by Governor Andrew Cuomo and Health Commissioner Dr. Howard Zucker to conduct prioritized coronavirus testing on the governor's relatives, as well as influential people with ties to the administration, reported the Times Union. Members of Cuomo's family, including his brother, his mother, and at least one of his sisters were also tested by top health department officials, some several times, it added. In particular, Governor Cuomo abused state resources to ensure that his then 49-year-old brother, Chris, received fast COVID testing at a time when tests were very scarce. The CNN anchor was swabbed by a top New York Department of Health doctor who visited his Hamptons home to collect samples from him and his family, the Post reported. The article also contains these damning details. Quote, the same doctor who tested Chris Cuomo, Eleanor Adams, now a top advisor to the state health commissioner, also was enlisted to test multiple other Cuomo family members. The coronavirus test specimens were then rushed, at times driven by state police troopers, to the Wadsworth Center, a state public health lab in Albany, where they were processed immediately, the people said. At times, employees in the state health laboratory were kept past their shifts until late into the night to process results of those close to Cuomo, two people said. All of this commandeering of state resources to provide the CNN host with very specialized medical attention occurred while, quote, media reports were full of accounts from New Yorkers desperate to get tested, including some with symptoms and recent travel history who were turned away because of scarcity. Donald Trump was not the insane, corrupt zealot the media painted him out to be. In fact, it was the exact opposite. Trump being an imperfect individual, to put it very, very mildly, was doing a pretty decent job. His policies weren't perfect, but still, I genuinely believe that Donald Trump was trying to help this country out. And they didn't want him to. Because the whole time, it's been the corrupt establishment who has been destroying, manipulating, and extracting our resources. And therein lies the big problem. I hear from the left. They say cap capitalism is bad. <clears throat> they say, you know, capitalism is the exploitation of the working class to enrich the privileged few. And I hear from the right when they say the same thing of the left. Socialism is the privileged few exploiting the working class and taking their resources. Neither side is wrong. It's just the issue. Well, actually, I'll put it this way. I think the right is more right. But both are pointing out corruption. So when they say the systems don't work, I'll put it this way. Every single attempt at socialism has failed. OK, that's an important metric to go by when we're talking about what's the, the best way to run things, because you centralize power and you make it very easy for corrupt crony elites to seize power. Now, laissez-faire capitalism and a lot of the libertarian capitalist types don't agree with me on this one does devolve into oligarchy. Just look at what happened in Ukraine. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say that's not true. OK, fine. Say it's not real capitalism. Say that and the communists will say communist countries weren't real communism. The reality is that there needs to be some mix in favor of free enterprise. 
You still need regulation. You still need a referee. I don't think we in this country do it perfectly. But in Ukraine, what happened after the fall of the Soviet Union is that there were no rules. And so people just gobbled up these these, these companies, mostly by force, so sure, not necessarily capitalism. But without proper enforcement and a coalition of, of, of individuals to protect against it, it was very easy to seize many factories, and then people became ultra wealthy oligarch, ultra wealthy oligarchs, which in effect turn into autocracy. Again, I don't have all the answers. I'm a, I'm a fan of the American system, and I think America gets it pretty well. For all the problems we're facing now, I think we've done a pretty damn good job over these past several hundred years. We don't want an absolutely free market system, absolutely in the sense that anyone can buy or sell anything they want, because. Some things I think we all agree on probably shouldn't be sold, notably people, right? So there has to be some restriction. Hence, ultimate far right, you know, ANCAP stuff, eh, I'm not I'm not in certain agreement with. I understand the argument then is slavery is a violation of the non-aggression principle. Sure, sure, sure. But I don't think it makes sense to be selling, you know, drugs to, you know, to kids or things like that, in which case we need regulations and we need laws. I also think we need to stop a really good example of the problems uh, right now we face the media is allowed to lie to people all day left and right. Big tech is allowed to censor anyone they want. No, we need some regulations. We need to say to big tech, you've monopolized the commons and conservatives have a right to post and speak, which means the truth is closer to the middle, man. How do we deal with the, the ultra elites like Cuomo? How do we strip him of power? The dude should be in prison. His brother should be fired, but it doesn't happen. Socialism and socialists and communists think that once the good natured party members show up, they'll arrest these corrupt cronies and go make them break rocks. It's not going to happen that way. They're going to use the power, manipulate the system, and then it's you who ends up breaking rocks. I suppose there are many laissez faire capitalists who think, yeah, well, they're allowed to do it. And I'm like, I disagree. I don't like the idea of Soros, Steyer and Bloomberg dumping billions of dollars into our political space to ban guns, which is what they do. How do you combat, compete against that? Taxation isn't necessarily the key because then you just give the government money and they're the ones who are literally passing the laws to ban the guns. It's tough. It is very difficult. I lean in favor of progressive tax to curtail the power of these individuals and give more more voice to the working class. I don't think it's a perfect solution because then we have a problem with government, but perhaps we can then put restrictions on what government can do with that money. I don't know. I think everybody's idealistic. But I'll put it this way. I don't want to take from anybody or force anybody to do anything, which puts me in a weakened position because then the ultra wealthy elites can pass these laws because they do believe in authoritarianism. Those of us that believe in individual liberties and libertarianism recognize the inherent problems when you go up against authoritarians. The authoritarians will lie, cheat and steal to get whatever they want. Ultimately, in the actual libertarian left position, I can say something like I believe taxation, uh, taxing the rich. People like Steyer, Soros, and, and Bloomberg, as well as the right-wing individuals too, is a good thing. However, I don't have the authority or the right to just implement that and take people's resources away. That's what it means to be libertarian left, which is ultimately why libertarian left never scales properly and just doesn't seem to work. You try to be too nice. You ask politely. This then results in people on the left becoming authoritarians, in which case they become the very thing they're supposed to be opposing. I can tell you this. This is like the sixth story we've heard about the Cuomo's being crooked and corrupt. Chris on CNN and and his brother, Andrew, they are awful and nasty people. How do we deal with the elites, not just the wealthy? That's why tax, uh, the, the argument about taxing is, is short sighted. Look, man, maybe I've said nothing in this whole thing other than corruption is bad. Maybe that's really it. Maybe my proposals don't make sense. 
But maybe we have to have a conversation on how we deal with people like this because these people are crooks. And so long as we allow the crooks to manipulate the system, the rest of us will be worse off for it. The United States became an amazing country. We rose to power because of decentralization, because the ability of individuals to work and do it and, and, and do what they wanted and trade as they wanted. But we didn't counter some problems we wanted to regulate against. And it does make some sense, notably like big tech manipulating you know, speech and, and ideas. We need to have another, another conversation about how we can pr- protect to the, the, the best degree the ability of individuals to run their businesses without impediment. Stopping the, the, the corrupt cronies from seizing industry and manipulating the lives of the working class and our political system. Because if we do nothing, then the political system becomes autocracy, becomes plutocracy. And I think that's where we may be. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It's a different channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.